Welcome to the People I Meet podcast. I am your host, Dean Krositz. Today, we have a very special episode for you. Maria Romanova has a secret that she very bravely wanted to share with me and with you. We're going to get to that in a moment, but before we do, please like, subscribe, and leave a great review on whichever platform you're listening to the podcast. It's the only way people are going to find out about us. And if you like what I'm doing here and you would like to listen commercial-free, you can do that over on patreon.com slash people I meet podcast. That's patreon.com slash people I meet podcast. You can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Now, before we get to Maria, before we get to Maria revealing her secret to us, I want to point out this is going to be a difficult episode to listen to. We deal with some touchy subjects, one of them being suicide. This is an episode you probably don't want your kids listening in on. That's all I want to say because I want Maria to be able to tell her story. But if you've got little kids uh, or younger kids under the age of uh, 15 or so, maybe maybe under the age of 13, you probably want to screen the episode before you allow them to listen or before you decide whether or not they should listen. Let's find out what is Maria's secret. Maria Romanova, welcome back. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I am I am well. Uh by the way, we never uh you never corrected me on your last name. So am I saying it correctly or is is it uh, Romanova? Is it Romanova? How how do you Either way, uh, Ron, uh, the actual Romanova? Russian pronunciation yeah. is Romanova. Okay. But Romanova is perfectly fine as the common like American United States <laughs> version of Romanova's yeah. Roma, Romanova instead of Romanova. Okay. All right. And uh, we have you back because uh, the last time we talked, um, you were telling me about the van life, about choosing to live in a van. And you told me, you told me some of uh, some, some about your life, uh, but you were hiding something from me. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, for very good reason. You, you didn't, you didn't know me. So you didn't have any idea whether or not I was trustworthy with this particular secret. Right. Uh, and, uh, you've since decided that, uh, you're, you're ready to share this secret with me and with, uh, the people I meet podcast, uh, listener. So, yeah. uh, let's, let's go ahead and <clears throat> tell us what it is, uh, that, uh, you were hiding from me before. So the big secret is that I <clears throat> was born um, physically male and psychologically, mentally wired female. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so technically, I am transgender, which is very, which is kind of a a lot of it's more accepting. People are more accepting of the whole situation with in general. But it still can be kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. I I understand that, and I, you know the United States is not known as a bastion of tolerance for uh, folks in your position, right? <laughs> okay, so um, what what is the first thing you want to tell us about 
being trans? I mean, you you already said you were born physically, biologically male, right. and and psychologically female, right? So, what is uh, first of all, when did you start to realize that this was the case? I was about. I've always known that ever since I was like maybe five or six. Um, I <clears throat> I realized um, I realized that I was I wasn't like you know little boys regular little boys. I didn't like a lot of things that they did. I was always considered more of a sissy. I liked more. Um, I was attracted to my sister's toys more than my brothers wanting. You know, my brother wanting to play football. That was that was like the most perfect memory of childhood is as always him wanting me to play football and i hated it because it wasn't my thing mm -hmm. um so when i was young you know there were other things that that um that made me realize i don't know if they'd be too much info or not but basically um i'm just gonna say in a kind of a censored way but to get roughly the idea um i when i was about six years old six or seven maybe um i went and i was using the bathroom and you know when you're a little kid and you use the bathroom and you discover how you're made well in the male anatomy there's a part that looks like it could be a a scar from like surgery i guess that's the best way to put it <laughs> um and I thought to myself, wow, I must have surgery. I must have surgery when I was a baby or something. And then I was horrified because my next immediate thought was, oh my God, my mom had or my, my mom or mom had my my girl part sewn shut. Now mind you, at the time I had no reference to go on. Yes, I had sisters, but I had never seen how they were made. Um, so I had absolutely no reference to go on at all. So I was like, it was like a natural thing that it's like, like psychologically embedded that I was supposed to have had female parts in the first place and not born with male parts. And you know, male parts were there, but but the whole thing that I was that I was supposed to have had female parts. But anyway, um the um i was really 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 upset i was furious and in a way i almost i didn't really think about that reaction as being weird because i mean obviously i was a little kid but at the same time it's just it was like it was kind of like a revelation at the time but you know like i said there was a lot of other things that happened when i was a child like you know i didn't want to play most things that boys wanted to play, I was attracted to my sister's toys. I didn't play with them very much because I didn't want, even at that, even at that age, I mean, I secretly play with them, and I wasn't super. <clears throat> excuse me, um, wasn't like super open with the of of you know with playing with them, but but I would. I'd play with it, you know, and and um, I, the bedroom that I was in when I was a kid was because my sisters um one of my sisters had moved out because my sisters were older than me um and the bedroom that i slept in was one of the girls rooms and well the girls room and um it had like a, a uh, canopy bed 
and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I loved that bedroom. I loved everything about it. I kept I kept trying to get my mother to put the canopy back on the bed because it was just it was really pretty and I liked it. And I remember her kind of like thinking it was a little bit strange that I wanted it on. And, and you know, but anyhow, um, but when it but when I realized things was, you know, as years went by, I, you know, most of my friends, most of my friends were female. I had a couple of guy friends. Um, you know, I had, I had girlfriends. I was never, I never really liked guys. At the time I didn't, you know, I find some guys attractive now, but I, but that's another story, um, later on. But, um, anyway, um, but. Um, when I was like maybe 16, so I say 17, I went to my mother one day and I told her, I said, you know, I said, Hey, I want to tell you something you're going to think might sound really weird, but it's just something that I've been feeling for quite a while. And she's like, what? And I said, a lot of times I feel like a girl. I don't know how to explain it. It's, I, I just like inside feel like a girl. I don't feel like that was, I mean, up to a point, you know, up to a point, I felt like, in a sense, I felt like a guy, not really felt like a guy, but like, you know, my sexuality was like typical male sexuality. Um, mechanically, I was more mechanically inclined, which, which I, which I still am. And I'm actually kind of thankful that I do have that because it saved my butt a few times, you know, like as opposed to taking the car to the garage, like some of that stuff myself. Um, a lot of times when people see me out in a driveway working on my van or when I, when I built this, as a matter of fact, right now, um, we are actually in, this is actually being recorded in my van, which is where I'm going to do music production and kind of long story, but it's actually, again, I've actually titled my thing Rolling Home Studios. And um, so that's where a lot of stuff's going to take place anyway. Anyhow, um, but her reaction was she was it was kind of she was kind of neutral. I don't know. I don't think she knew what to say. She there was no negative reaction, but there was no like positive thing like oh I think that's you know great. I mean you're talking you know, uh, what forty years ago, you know over forty years ago, you know when it you know and you know this thing was you know I I didn't even understand what was going on. And so I always, you know, I, but that's when I realized that there's, there's an issue right now, you know, there's an issue with this. Why am I like this? And then, um, so anyway, so that, but that's, that, that's when I first basically figured things out. Okay. And so be, before that and after that, uh, were you, I, I imagine, um, being a boy, uh, I, I know in in my uh, where I grew up, uh, the effeminate boys um, took a lot of shit. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. I think I think I think they they took they more um, in my situation um, where my Tourette's was like my Tourette's was like always out front and center. I got eased relentlessly because of my Tourette's. So that was. <laughs> If I hadn't had my trust, I mean, I'd, I'd, also, I'd also been teased about my more feminine uh, mentality. You know, why are you hanging out with girls? Why you have, you know, 
why you hang out with girls all the time. I played jump rope with little girls when I was like sixth grade. And the, the little boys would look at me like I was like nuts or something. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Okay. Um, so you, you went, you went through the, the, uh, normal, um, not no, well, <laughs> you went through the regular, uh, bullying, um, but it, it was more focused on your Tourette's instead of on the, uh, on, on the, um, the trans part. Cause you weren't, if I, you, you weren't living as a, as a trans person at the time. No, you didn't no, actually didn't, know what was going on. About it. I just, okay. I just did my thing and I really thought about it. I just, was what it was, you know. I always felt I was. <laughs> I always felt that like feminine part, you okay. know. I always felt that part of me, but I just didn't really think about it at the time. And just did my thing. So. Okay. All right. So at seventeen, you started to figure it out. You expressed mm-hmm. it to your mom. Your mom didn't uh, freak out at you. <laughs> But nope. she also didn't encourage you, which is understandable right. in the in the I'm, late seventies, early eighties, right? Yes. Um. So what? What? Uh, wait, I I know that you didn't go to college. Once you graduated high school, you just kind of right. went went right into uh, a career. Um. What was what was that like? Trying to figure out, um, young adulthood, um, as a <laughs> as a as a psychological woman living in a man's body what was what was that like it was it was difficult because um i felt like i had to um like not, not get jobs that were you know because i was more mechan- more mechanically inclined i thought well if i'm more mechanically inclined i guess i need to find a job where i can do that um and uh, sorry, my trust. Um, so I ended up doing was, you know, I had got a job at a at a garage, and to be honest, I hated it. I, um, being around, being around guys all the time, I I always always had that inferior feeling, like I wasn't like them. That whole there was always that segregation, so to speak, gender segregation subconsciously that I wasn't always actually thinking about necessarily like, Oh my God, you know, I'm really, I'm really a woman doing this. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't right up front center, but it was, but in a different way it was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it was always there. Um, so, um, uh, changing like in, uh, in the locker room, we had like a locker room where we were, where we had changed. Where we could change in, you know, from our street clothes to our mechanic clothes, mm-hmm. and I would not, I wouldn't do it unless I, unless I could do it in private. And I was, I was the same way in high school. And high school was so bad; it was extremely. I had serious issues about that. Um, I just felt uncomfortable. I felt like I was in absolutely, um, literally in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, it was, it was, I felt like I kind of had to, um, um, try and, um, I don't know, I guess I figured that, I guess in a sense where I was like male body and I was living, I had to live my life as a guy. So I, you know, I wasn't into a lot of typical guy things like, you know, sports and weightlifting and this and that and the other egotistical things and and so on. Black Sabbath. 
Iron Maiden. <laughs> no, I, mean, I don't really care. I, I do like I do like bands like um, I love Nirvana. I've actually been on a Nirvana kick lately. I've been you know fa- you know fascinated by how you know they do things, and but for the most part, it's been like you know female bands. You know, love it when like uh, you know I, like, I used to love the Go Go's. I used to like Joan Jett, and you know <laughs> Joan Jett was about as hard rock as I used to get. You know. Okay. But so yeah. Okay. All right, so um, so so you tried to you tried to be a mechanic that that really didn't work. Um, you were you were too uncomfortable. Um, and did you connect it to the uh, the the trans the the trans uh, the, to being trans, or did you connect it to something else? Did 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 you have any uh, thoughts that you might be gay? No, absolutely not. Cause I never I never had an interest in being with a guy at all all right i so do remember i do I, remember a couple i i, I just i i wanted to um I, you're you're not the first trans person uh mm-hmm. i've ever met and um and i i know um i know a lot of people from my background have a difficult time <laughs> making that distinction that a, a a trans person is not a gay person no um they, they might they, not the same. right they might be but they're usually not. So, um, so anyway, all right, all right. So you, you never had any desires, you never had any sexual desires for a man. Um, no. you, but you, uh, you did feel like you were a woman in a man's body. Yeah. I mean, I always, I always, <clears throat> yes. I mean, it wasn't, it was, it was like, I didn't like constantly think about it all the time. Like I said, it's kind of, cause I was always just very, hyperactive and like did my thing and it was all over the place and um so it was more like i just you know there was a lot of times where i was very dysphoric but i didn't really think of it and know it realized it was actually dysphoric so i knew what the meaning of the word was but um okay so stop please stop for a second and define dysphoric because i okay, i honestly don't like, know what it means <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. Okay, right. uh, like gender dysphoria <clears throat> is basically um, it's become kind of an, an umbrella term because people originally that were considered to have gender it was gender identity disorder, basically where you, you know, um, like an average trans person where their physical well or physical and their mental being do not, you know, They're not coincide. Unified. Okay, so. Gender dysphoria is pretty much the same thing. Gender dysphoria is more of a, it's, it basically emphasizes the, the severity of it. Um, when it was classified as gender identity disorder, it was more, it was more of a, um, it was considered like a, people could think of it as like a mental, a mental illness or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, cause you know, mental disorder type thing, gender, you know, identity disorder so it's gender dysphoria basically it's being it's um where your mental mentality your you know uh your your physical being and your mentality don't coincide and also when and it's very very uh i mean those feelings are very are very intense very overwhelming and that's and that's what they had they had become more so okay and Around this time, you actually got married and had children. 
Um, are, um, are your are your children your biological children? Yes, they are. Yeah, and you you, uh, you said I may have gotten that wrong. You may have never actually been married, but you were. I, um, when I when I was when I was in Colorado, I was with women that we were common law married. Okay. Um, and I had to get a legal divorce out of it. It's kind of a long story, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but I lost the baby with her at 12 weeks. You know, the baby wasn't born, but it, was, it wasn't born yet, but it was a miscarriage of 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when I moved to Maine, you know, we, we got done. I moved to Maine. I met somebody else. And, and uh, then we ended up having a couple of kids. Um, so, yeah. But yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and the whole time you were, you were common law married and then with the person in Maine, you, when you were with them, you still had all these feelings that you were a woman, but you were still, you, you were still living as a man, uh, with your, with your, your partner and your children and out, out in public. I would imagine, I would imagine that is a torturous way to live. Absolutely. However, an interesting, a couple of interesting things I can go into a little bit is, um, sorry about Harley, Harley just drove by. So don't, wor- don't worry about it. Don't worry about Anyhow, it. Anyhow, um, relationships all through high school and all relationships, they were difficult. Be- it was difficult to get into a relationship because I would be getting to know, I'd be getting to know somebody and, I'd end up in the friend zone is because they say, well, you know, I wish more, I wish more, I wish, you know, I wish more guys were like you and blah, blah, and you're so sweet. But basically they'd end up telling me I was, I was, they would tell me that outright that they didn't want to date me because I was too much like them, but they'd be like, you're so understanding. They basically would tell me that I'm, I have a very feminine personality and, and have that, you know, feminine understanding that that most girls and women have and so an interesting thing as far as relationships go as far as my kids go my oldest two kids mother when we were together we'd actually gone our ways at first you know we took you know things to work working out and we kind of got together one thing led to another and obviously my daughter came to me well we had an agreement because i love the idea the whole motherhood idea i was all over she was like She's like, I really don't know what I'm going to do about this baby because I am not. She's like, I have, I am about as much mother capability as a bull, you know, like a bull in a, you know, in a China camp. I said, well, I said, this works. She goes, why? I said, because, because I would love to be able to do it. I wanted to, I, I really, really wanted to be able to do that. And so we basically did was we had an agreement that, I was staying home with the kids and I was doing the mommy thing and she was well and got her job thing. And we had an understanding. We used to actually think we had a running joke, but which I like is that Mother's Day, I'd get the Mother's Day card. She got the Father's Day card. And a lot of people and a lot of people used to be so critical being like, you know, a lot of, you know, other women would be like, well, you don't know how to read, you know, you don't know about that because you're a guy. And it's like, excuse me. Yes, I do. You know, because the whole mother instinct thing, the other running joke we used to have is like when, when, um, when, when the, when Tyra was born and kid's mother was born, she was motherhood instinct. When they were giving out motherhood instinct, she was behind the door 
And when I was born, I got hit in the face with it. But so, um, so yeah, that was that was another thing. It was very, and it's just the whole motherly thing's always, always been. I was mother hen when I was a kid. When I babysit, I was some, you know, other people. I think actually thought it was weird that, um, not in a weird, you know, not in a negative weird way, but they thought it was different that I was, you know, had more, um. The, the whole mother hen thing but yeah so that's kind of another interesting thing that i realized and and it, it was good because i felt like through beyond to, to do the mommy thing i was able to i was able i was able to be who i was and that felt really really good so and how, how long and, did that last well since kids were little and, they, and it was you know i raised them so i was there you know um she she was in a picture for about, um, I mean, not that she didn't want to be in a picture. She, you know, she loved the kids and everything, but basically, basically we kind of went on ways after, after my son was, okay, I kind of need to backtrack a little bit. We, we, we went on ways, then after my, my daughter came to be, we got back together and we did our thing and, you know, and kind of made things, tried to make things work and, Anyway, so we had a second child, you know, the same deal. And uh, um, so basically, you know, whenever, you know, I just basically did the mother thing. And we, you know, we went our ways and, you know, she would come visit them and take her with, you know, kind of a long story there. But we actually, but uh, but the the arrangement worked out. It worked out, so. Yeah. At what point did you... At what point did you start thinking that you needed to to begin living your life as a woman, present presenting yourself as a woman to the world? I would say about six years ago, I realized that I was watching a video. I was watching some videos and they were mentioning about transgender, and I was kind of curious about them. And I was watching them, and, and it's like, and I was watching in a like, Jazz Jennings video, whatever, and it was like. I was like, holy crap, that, that, that's me. And that's the way I felt as a kid. That's the way I felt with these things. That's the way it always was. I didn't realize that this could be my issue. Maybe it is. And so I talked to my, I talked to my doctor about it. And I told him, I said, hey, this is what's been going on. <laughs> um, this is the way my life, what my life was like and so on. And um, she referred me to a, uh, a counselor or whatever, basically um, to get, diagnose um i got a referral to you know actually get technically diagnosed see what did you know so i went through this whole questionnaire thing and this whole and um thing and uh and that's what it turned out to be and it's like so i was like you know what i feel happier when i when i do things that are more <laughs> female related i'm not happy doing things that are male related i need to Maybe I need to do is start doing things, you know, being living who I feel like on the inside. So I did. Acceptance-wise, was difficult at first. When I first told my kids, they were very, very good about it. They were very good. I, I first told the funny thing is I told their mother was the first person I told, and she was like, um, "You're not telling me anything you don't that I didn't already know." <laughs> 
She goes, I knew this way back. She goes, I think I knew this before you really realized it. So, but acceptance-wise, as far as the kids go, they were good about it. But I, I just, I felt like I needed to. I needed to, I needed to be who I was. I needed to, you know, so I gradually started transitioning. I started doing was living life as like uh, kind of androgynous because I didn't want to be too obvious because, if you pass, you know, passing is key and so on. So it's just, but that's, but that's when I, you know, I just felt like I really had to be who I was and live my life as, as who I truly was. And how long did it take before you were comfortable uh, presenting yourself to the world as who you are? I'd say a couple of years. Um, um, I had, I basically subtly done things and I, and, you know, started growing my hair out and just little things here and there. Um, and it just, and then I, I did was like, I got on, then I got on hormones, you know, started medically getting treatment. Um, and then, uh, when I got, you know, when I, and then when I felt like what it was basically is that, you know, I would, <clears throat> I would present androgynous. Excuse me, and I have, you know, I had, I have quite a few people I did not know would would gender me as female, and I was like, if people are gender me as female, I think it's time. I think it's time to go all the way with us. If people are starting to, you know, to quote unquote mistaken me as female, you know, in their eyes, um, you know, they're like, well, not really in their eyes, but um, basically, if they're seeing me as female, I think it's time that I take it. You know that I they take it a step further. Um, the first time I used the the women's bathroom was in Home Depot, and it was the most petrifying moment of my life. I swear to God, because you know I, I went in there and I was like, "What if someone's in there? What they don't think I pass enough?" Because passing <clears throat> passing is is really to some people it's not so much to me. It's very important if you if you don't if you don't pass enough. At least if you pass enough to where people aren't quite sure, but they think you're probably female, that's, you know. But if you're not in that position, if you're six foot four and you're built like a football player, run, player running around in a dress, trying to look really feminine, it's, it's not going to work. And I've seen it. That's sad. And I'm not, and I'm happy for them because they're living their life and they're happy. But the way the world sees them, unfortunately, is they don't see them. They see them as cross-dresser people. Trans people to this day are still mistaken as, as cross-dresser. And, that, and that's what's really sad about it. So Right, right. Uh, and at, it, this is the point where I want to introduce uh, a little bit of science and a little bit of history. Because I don't, uh, I, I only know a little bit of science and a little bit of history regarding this. So for the, the first thing is that human beings are actually we're actually the weird ones uh -huh. in in this uh where as yeah, <laughs> uh where um most other mammals on the planet uh up to 10% are homosexual or trans and right. and humans it's more like 2 to 5% um at, at least as far as we know at the moment right and right, that's and and Native Americans in at least in North America, I, I don't know about South America, but in North America, um, 
many, it's, it's not just one, it's many of the North American Native American tribes, uh, they had this thing where um, when it was time for a boy to become a man, sometimes the boy would choose to become a woman. And, and, uh, and it was accepted. And they would just begin to dress like a woman and go, go do the things that the women did. And I'm sure there was plenty of, oh, I'm going to beat that guy up because I, you know, he's weird or whatever. I'm sure there was plenty of that, but, um, but it, it was, it was an accepted thing, uh, in the native American culture in many of the tribes where it's just, okay, this, this person has decided that they're a woman and that's the way they live the rest of their lives. And they were given a chance. They're able to pick, they're able to be who they felt like on the inside. That's, that's, I never really knew that. I never knew that. That's, that's neat. Yeah. And, and you know, some of the, some of the rougher tribes were actually like the, like the Sioux, I believe, uh, and the Cherokee both, uh, had that tradition where they were like, okay, that's, that's who they are. And they would just move, they would, everybody would just move on with their lives and keep living. You know, they'd still live in the same, in, in, in the same, uh, clan. They would still live in, live in the same village and they would just live their lives as a woman. Um, I think that's, I think that's really awesome. Yeah, I, I, I think so as well. I, I think it's, uh, uh, and so that's, that's the amount of the science that I know. And, and it's the amount of the history that I know. Uh, I, I do know that many of the people, uh, many famous people in history were actually gay. I don't know how many of them were, were actually trans. But um, ha- have, you, have you sought out any role models for your life? Um, as, far as, like, as far as trans role models, as weird as it might sound, one that I think is kind of a good one is actually Jazz Denning because she's one that, I mean, she's an advocate for the whole trans thing, and uh, she's very. But I just say, you know, I think it's, I think it's because I kind of rev, rev, you know, even though she she was a kid, but I just think it was just really, really, you know, I had the utmost respect for her and her family to support her, and and um, and so I think that. I think that uh, I would say, you know, in a sense, she's kind of a, on on that, as far as role model goes, I never really thought of it that way. Um, I do have a couple of male, you know, a male, a trans male friend that I've met, and and it's kind of neat to get, you know, kind of, you know, meet people as you go type thing. But, um, but yeah, I think as far as that goes, I would say like, I would, I would say like Jazz Dennings is like, been it not always really, not always really so much of an influencer but more like a <clears throat> help you know the revelation of of being like you know what i need to do something about this um but um i'm, I'm sorry did you have any more did you have, did you have another question yeah yeah uh, the, the reason the reason i ask is because i i believe uh, role models are incredibly important for human beings uh, for, for, well, I mean, they're important for all mammals, for all primates. Um, 
but especially for human beings, I, I believe that role models are super important to be able to live the healthiest life we can. And, um, and I imagine that um, being that, that transgender people are so much in the minority and for most of the uh, most of European and United States of American history, uh, they've had to hide who Absolutely. they are. Um, I imagine it's incredibly difficult to find a healthy role model to uh, to help you uh, help you mold your life in uh, the healthiest way that you can. And that that's, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think it's, I, I basically have kind of like through most things in life, I'm kind of had to make my own way anyway. But a lot of it's just been, you know, kind of, you know, it's, you know, nice to have, have people that support you and so on. But I've always been more independent anyway. So I think I, I know, you know, I definitely am, but I completely agree about the, the role model thing that was, you know, as far as that goes, because it gives you, it gives someone, you know, it, it, it reinforces what you, what you're doing and being like, you know, this person can do what I can do. It. So I think it's, I think that's very very true. And and you you started taking you started going to therapy. Uh, are you are you still do you still feel the need for therapy? Uh, and I'm talking about uh, cognitive nope. therapy, not not medic, not uh, medicinal. Um, actually, yes. Um, okay. And the reason why is because uh, the dysphoria thing has actually been, in some ways, really bad. Um, there has been, I have had a lot of, because I've had partial surgery, I've had bilateral orchiectomy. Basically, it's where you have the testicles removed, which would be very blunt. Okay. And it's actually considered partial it's actually considered partial um, transition surgery, but anyhow, um, and it, that was necessary to do because of reactions to the blockers that I was on for the male hormone blockers, but and so on. But anyway, um, but I'm but I've had the dysphoria thing over the last you know year or two or whatever. In some ways, has gotten in. It. I feel good about myself, but the problem is that I have. I have something in common with guys that I don't want to have in common with guys, the physical part. Mm-hmm. And so I've had a lot of times, like if I have like, I'm, I'm not into self-harm, nothing like that, cutting, don't get me wrong, but, but I, I have actually thought on occasion, you know, not occasion, but a lot of times of like, what would be logistically, what would happen if I took matters in my own hands and just, Lopped off, to be honest, and um, not to be aware, but anyway, so, so sorry. Um, no, it, it, it's okay. I want to make people understand what you're what you're saying. You you a, a few times over the over the last couple of years, you have considered. Um, is, is it because you cannot afford the next surgery? Or? Yes, that, and also it's just this whole yeah. A lot of it's because I'm on I'm on uh, I'm on state aid. Um, uh, state-funded uh, <laughs> Medicaid, um, and it's like they paid for. This is actually a very 
a very good subject to get on too. But um, they paid for that other surgery I had to have done, which was required, which was a necessary surgery. At, but I was at the time more when you started out, when I was the more urged to like take things matters in my own hands was because I was thinking to myself, well, that they're not, you know, main care is not going to cover the head, you know, cover the, you know, gender reassignment surgery, you know, sexual reassignment surgery. They're not going to cover that, you know, so I'm stuck being the way I am for the rest of my life because, because obviously main care is not going to cover that. Well, an interesting thing, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but uh, it kind of segues into is the medical part. Um, you know, psychologically, the counseling thing, I've, I've had to have the counseling because of it, because of the resisting the thing, and it's been very, very bad. There's been, um, but I'm going to, you know, backtrack a little bit, but um, I've had some thoughts of because of the fact that things are, you know, felt like I was trapped and having to live this way is the thought of, you know, it's like, I can't live this way. And I just don't, if I can't do something about this, I don't want to be here. And that's a very common thing. And so that's basically a lot of the therapy has helped keep me in check as much as possible to help fight off the, that urge to want to take care of the situation myself or whatever. So anyhow, um, the interesting thing that is is that uh, on the medical aspect of it is that when I went to um, my checkup about maybe six months ago, I was, uh, you know, for my trans checkup, you know, we were talking about that. And I told her that, you know, I was telling her my issues that I've been having. Well, actually, it was about a year ago. <laughs> Excuse me. And, um, and I said, you know, and she goes, and I said, because, you know, obviously main care is not going to cover that. She goes, what do you mean? I said, because they're not going to cover that. She goes, actually, because last September, uh, Janet Mills, the governor or whatever, put into place an emergency bill that she signed about, you know, basically um, accommodating people with transgender issues, you know, covering surgery. So technically, from my understanding is, because we're going through, I'm going through the process of trying to be able to get the surgery done, have main care cover it. You know, not because I want it done because it's a cosmetic thing. Because if I don't, if I don't get it done, I'm going to be totally honest. If I don't, if if for some reason I'm not able to ever get the surgery done, my death certificate, my death is probably going to be ruled a suicide. There it is. I said it. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be like that, but. Um, I, but it's gotten to the point where it's just so overwhelming. <clears throat> um, but anyhow, <clears throat> so we're going through the process of trying to figure out how to connect things as far as getting surgeon nets that is, you know, because it would have to be done in the state and how to get that done and connect, you know, bridge the gap between main care and them. And I, from, my, from what I'm understanding, I'm the first one to even really be pushing this to try and get it, you know, since the law has changed. Um, other surgeries have been performed on other people, but as far as SRS, full SRS goes, I think, I don't know if anybody else has successfully done it, but from what I understand, it sounds like no one else has done it yet. And I don't, it's not, and, but it's gotten to my attention. Main care, main care will cover it, and it, and it can be covered. It's just a matter of 
connecting me in care with an out of an out of network surgeon and so we're going through all that and there's been a lot of anxiety around that you know sometimes i'm really happy about it and then other times i get really depressed thinking it's never going to happen you know because when you're in the waiting period nothing goes on so yeah but i did want to kind of touch on that part a little bit just basically the reason why is because at least in maine and i think other states as well are being more medically accommodating and as I said, I want to stress that it's not accommodating like a, like a plastic surgery that you just want to have done because, oh, I don't like it because it doesn't, it's not aesthetically pleasing. It's something you, you, know, you need done because it's because you need to be, you know, the feeling of needing to feel complete, but also the feeling of being rid of and having what you're supposed to have had all along. That technically I knew I was supposed to have since I was sick. So. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, I I don't want I, I don't want you to take your own life. I take it very oh, seriously. And I don't oh, I, I don't want you to harm yourself. Um I appreciate that. Uh and I, I'm I'm willing to do what I can to help you because I, I I don't want to I, I just don't want that. I want you to be around to contribute to society for as long as possible. Yeah. My other question is, do you think do, do you think that this is why the numbers of suicides are so high? Absolutely. For, uh, for sexual reassignment surgery, people who have taken, who have gotten sexual reassignment surgery and people who are on right. transition hormones, they're, they're, I get the suicide rates are something like 30 to 40%. You mean the people that, you mean people that have had the surgery? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I know that I, I think I don't think I think it's um, that that percentage is people, of trans people in general because the dysphoria basically has gotten the best of them. Okay. There is there are some people that have had issues post surgery post surgical issues, but I think some of those people that may have had those issues mentally were not as prepared or not as committed as they thought they were. I have no idea. I'm not really sure about that. I know that, but the suicide rate among trans trans people, it is very very high, and a lot of it is because of the. I think it's because, what I'm understanding, it's because of the dysphoria gets the best of them, or they're they're isolated. People won't hire them. Their family doesn't understand. They're right. significant. Other, they lose relationships. They lose their kids, and and it just gets to be you know, too much. And they know, it's like. I know that I can never revert. I know I can, I know I can never, ever, ever revert. Never, never in a million years. I, I guess it's not even remotely any kind of an option. So, I, but I believe, I think that's what it is, is that a lot of trans people have so much, you know, they, they lose, they lose a lot of what they had. You know, I've lost, you know, lost a few friends here and there. I asked some friends that, that, Still don't understand. They sort of do, but they don't. I get misgendered. You know, misgendered sometimes. They call me by my dead name, and it drives me crazy when people call me by my, by my dead name, Joe. It's like if if I'm in a store, and if somebody call and if somebody calls me by my dead name that's behind me, I don't. I won't answer to it. I won't do it. I won't turn my head. Right. I just won't do it. Some people just totally doesn't. You know, some people it's not. And see, the other thing too is that I need to make clear too is that I know I, I know I keep rambling, but I kind of want to make points that are I feel important. Is that a lot of people 
don't understand it. They don't understand what situation is. Thought that they're being insensitive. They just they just don't truly understand the magnitude of it. Mm-hmm. When you when you if you're around people who have known you for twenty years or you know ten years, you can't expect them to to completely flip a switch and go like, okay, it's all female <clears throat> uh, pronouns, no dead name, it's your new name. It, it it doesn't work that way. It takes some adapting for them. You have to be. Trans people are, trans people have to be adapting and understanding as well that it's difficult for people because other people are transitioning. They're transitioning in a sense too. They're transitioning from the person that they knew to the person that you are now. And some people, it's just really hard for them to do that. And I understand that. That's why I don't really get super bothered when, if somebody slips up, if somebody, but the thing, if you, if they slip up, just let it go. Don't don't call attention to it. If they slip, you know, them calling attention to, it, oh my god, I'm sorry to that. You know, it's like no, just let it go. It's like, you know. But it's the ones that don't make an effort at all that know you. That just you want, you know, it's like no, you know. But but yeah, I figured I'd want to touch on that. It's kind of an important thing though. So okay, did um, I don't know if you had, if I don't know if you had another question or not, but um, but go ahead and ask ask it okay. but also I, there's another thing when we get a minute or whatever um i do want to touch on another thing as far as the medical situation goes and, okay go, go ahead but okay i just want to make sure that you i didn't want to interrupt you if you're getting ready to ask another question yeah. in the line of questions so. yeah no I, and if you, I, can, you want you can go ahead and I, do the question I, fine. no I've, I've got i've got plenty of questions uh let's go ahead and hear what you have to say about the medical. okay so really quick um, another thing that's very, very important that a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, yes, you know, a trans person is born the way they are. They're born this way. For whatever reason, they're born this way. Um, one of the things in my situation that's believed is because I was, I'm not sure if you're familiar with DES, uh, It was a medication that was given to, uh, since... 1937 or 40-something on up to like 72. What it was, it was was like high amounts of female hormone to try and reduce miscarriage, the rate of miscarriage. And uh, my mother did have miscarriage before me at five months or something, I can't remember now. And um, basically her doctor put put her on DES, come to find out later, piece things together because I remember she was telling me that she had to take special medications, so she wouldn't lose me and so on. But this came to my attention a few years ago about the DES, so I studied a little bit. And what it basically did was, it didn't really prove to be all that effective as far as preventing miscarriage. But what it did end up doing was a lot of a lot of women, I can send you a link later on about the DES thing and park behind me. Sorry, anyhow. Um, so a lot of women were having like T-shaped uteruses and mis- you know, different issues as far as being able to conceive and so on. Um, but, but also DES exposed males did as well. That uh, some were like, had uh, like hypostatias where the urethra opening is, is below the head of the penis and just different things. But one of the things that there was a study by Scott Curlin that, uh, that was done over like the course of so many years. And it basically, uh, let me back up a little bit, that the the DES did was, it ended up doing was, you know, you physically develop, you know, if you're going to develop male, that development sexual part, your physical part develops earlier on. 
um, like 18 weeks or however many weeks or uh, 15, 16 weeks. And as, as the pregnancy progresses, people on DES, the dosage was upped. Basically, what it did was is it inhibited the, where a person's wired. In my situation, it, I was basically more wired female because of the over, more than likely because of the high amounts of um, the DES that, was, that my mother was on. It basically, uh, I was born in a sense. I mean, I tell people, I don't like, I, don't, I usually don't tell people that I'm, if they ask, I don't tell them I'm transgender, I tell them I'm intersex because in a sense, I am. Uh, physically, I actually have some physical female traits that males usually don't have. You know, digit ratio is where, where you have, like your index finger is longer than your ring finger. That's a more common female trait. Some males have it, but mostly it's, but it's the ring finger. I know, I know you're going to look at it. Just, you, know, so you, know, you have to hold your hands straight Yep, um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. Um, what you have to do is like right on, straight up in front of you. Yep, on my, on my left hand, my ring finger is longer than my index yeah. finger. Exactly. And on my right hand, my index finger is longer than my ring finger. Or the same right. height or the same length. So, yep. and that, I started playing guitar before I was quite finished uh, growing. And my left hand is bigger than my right hand because oh, I, put, nice. I put so much stress on it. Right. Yes, I, I bet. <laughs> but so, anyway, another thing that they, uh, it's called carrying angle, where when you put your arms out to the side, um, and you rush your arms off to the side and you turn your, and, uh, when you're standing up and then you turn your arms out, you turn your palms out in the angle and a man's arms will angle out a little bit, but a female's arms will angle out a lot more. And what that's for is because, you know, men have narrower hips and when, uh, women have wider hips. It's literally to allow clearance for when, when you're carrying things. And that's a, that's a medical thing. And I have, I have a higher, a wider carrying than the average male-born person and different things like that. There's a lot of race, uh, bone structure, um, very small bone. You know, short, I'm the only person in my family that was born male that has a more feminine structure in the first place. And that's believed because of the, the uh, DES that, that uh, has something to do with that. Uh, but that was actually... But there was quite there was quite a bit of issues around that. But I kind of wanted to touch on that. In some cases, I mean, obviously everybody that's born, you know, anybody that's truly trans, because there are some people that there are some people that, and I've met a couple of people that I've, that I've supported, that you know, the younger people um, that basically have like an uh, like a gender identity issues because you know it's almost like they like some guy stuff, they like girl things and. You know, but they felt, you know, basically they were kind of in a way unsure about their true gender, <laughs> you know, and mistaking the fact that, you know, just because they liked a few guy things, they're like, well, maybe I'm really a guy or, you know, you know, I mean, cisgender women, you know, cisgender girls, cisgender meaning natural born female. And um, um, so some of some people, it's like, a, especially like in, a, you know, teenage years. Um, they can be confused a little, bit, a little bit about their identities and who they are in general. And sometimes gender identity, identity can be thrown in with that. Well, in my case, it was ever since I was little, I always knew. You know, I wasn't consciously aware that I was trans, but I always knew I was different. But, but people that are truly, you know, transgender that are, 
you know, it is something you're, you're born with. You're wired that way for, for whatever reason, whether it's hormone induced or whatever you you are truly wired that way. So I just wanted to touch on that because I felt it was kind of important. So yeah, all right. So th- there are uh, I, I have um, I have a few uh, more personal questions, and uh, if you don't want to answer any of them, that's perfectly fine. Okay. Okay. So. Um, you said you you talked about how you you've always been a loner, or, or you're you, are are you a loner or are you just not much of a joiner? Do you just it, and I'm, go ahead. I guess I'm more of like a, in a sense I'm a loner. I think I, I think independence is extremely important for me. Growing up when I was a kid, my family was kind of dysfunctional. My my mother has some issues going on. My dad was in the picture under my mother's conditions and that was kind of a whole that whole thing was basically kind of a shit show but anyway um but i always felt because i was i was the bounce around i was bounced around a foster home for like five years because my mother had issues going on and um as time i you know during that time my brother died my father and my brother died two years apart you know two months apart um so things were pretty messed up but anyway and there was never a lot of I always felt kind of like I had to, you know, kind of do things on my own and the independence thing, you know, um, I think partly it was, it was like, cause you know, being teased in school and feeling more like a loner. And, you know, I did have some friends, obviously. I just always had that need to be independent and do my own thing. So I guess I'm a loner, but I, I don't mind people. I, I don't mind going to like functions and well, there's a bunch of people. I don't, I don't care about going in the store. It doesn't, it doesn't stress me out things like that but it's just that I, I i have to have my own person because i think i've always felt like i've had to have my own person i don't know if that really answered your question or not but and no it, it it does and uh and it sheds some some and, extra light as well <clears throat> so um you you didn't grow up in a i i don't want to put this the wrong way no 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 but, you didn't grow up in a caring, loving, supporting family, it sounds like. No, not really. I'm okay. not to a point, but my mother was very dysfunctional. She has some issues going on. So Right. Right. So it it would it would appear to me as somebody who also grew up in a very, very unhealthy family. I had a very difficult time when I was younger developing healthy healthy intimate relationships and i'm not talking about yep. romantic right i'm talking no, about psychologically the right emotional connection thing yeah yeah like you know how many how many people do you have in your life if you get a flat tire at two in the morning uh, or your car just doesn't start at two in the morning who you can call and they're going to come and they're they're looking for ways they can help you instead of looking for ways to get out of it how many people? I think do you... Maybe two. Okay, that's better maybe. than that's better than most Americans. I mean, I, I think well, meaning my <laughs> my ex, my uh-huh. kid's mother, my 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 kid's mother. I think she would if she had. Well, she, the beauty of um, it's kind of cheating in a way because she's up two o'clock in the morning anyway because she's a night owl. So it'd be <laughs> the easiest to get all say, "Hey, I know you're up. I got a fight. You need to come bail me out." <laughs> and I and I'm sure she and I know she'd do that. Okay. And it's, it's funny because we we had a really rough 
uh, we had it really rough for a while there. And, you know, as funny as we've over, you know, overcome that and overseen, you know, and uh, friendship wise, we've actually come up, become a lot closer. And, but her and I would say my daughter, my daughter, I don't think she'd be happy about it, but I know she, but I think she'd do it. But I, I wouldn't want to bother. But I was like, you know, she's like, but those two are the only two people I can really think of. As far as other friends go, I know a couple of friends that, well, like, oh, you should call me. It's like, yeah, but you call, then you're not going to actually do it. So, no. Right. So, yeah. But as far as actual just plain friends go, I'm not sure. I really don't know if I, you know. Okay. And, but, and you know, in America, most people find community in their church. Right. And I have a feeling that uh, church is not something you uh, value very much. <laughs> Uh, because because most churches um display utter hatred for folks like you but bingo okay so do you do you have a way of experiencing actual community uh i go to the store and hang out so i i have i am a i am a shit ton of superficial friends what i mean by superficial friends are you know, you got you go into Walmart. Everybody knows me at Walmart. We coke, we coke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, you're you're allowed to get high in in Walmart and in Maine. Walmart, you, know, you go into Walmart, you get totally stoned now because because due to the fact that due to the fact that the whole COVID thing, everybody understands now. So you just go into Walmart, get totally freaking blasted out of your brain, and be like, "Hey, I don't care about COVID. I don't care about I." You'd See, like, you, you can't, you can't, you can't do this. You can't do this because, because <laughs> people are going to, people are going to call the white house. Donald Trump is going to send the entire DEA to Maine and all and invade all the Walmarts. <laughs> oh my God. No doubt. That's like crazy. But no, <laughs> anyway, but no, um, I, I have, a, I have a lot of friends that, uh, you know, superficial friends that, you know, that, uh, that, you know, like that I know, like at the stores, I'm like, you know, we're going to Walmart a lot. I guess that's where I kind of get some social interaction. Basically, um, and by myself, a lot of sometimes being alone, because um, I do live alone, obviously, is being alone can be the worst thing for you in a sense because then you start thinking about all these things, all these little things going, because I have anxiety issues, depression issues, and that, that can kick your ass. It really, really can because it has. Um, Especially with skate, skating was another huge, another huge release was was skating. Now music is, uh, I'm starting to actually be able to finally produce music that that I can actually, you know, that was in my head for like I'm, I'm actually working on a song that I composed in my head 15, 15 years ago that I'm actually putting together that I'm gonna try and use uh, for my showcase program. Um, for when I skate, so I'm kind of, I've got that second thing. But as far as social interaction goes, as far as community goes, there there are some groups. As far as like, I guess there's some trans community groups that you know that you can get together and talk with. To be honest, I haven't really tried that, but I probably should. Anyway, <laughs> so, so um, my, my my question was not what what you should do. My question is what I am doing. Yeah, do do you have community now? In a sense, no. Okay. So, so well, how... I went through all, I went through all that <laughs> just for me to answer that one question. I'm really yep. sorry. I'm a that's, babbler, but that, that's okay. That's okay. So question is, 
number one, do you have a desire to change that? And number two, um, and if you do, what are you willing to do to change it? In a way, no. Okay. In a way, I'm not like, I like, I like being around people and stuff, but I don't feel like I have to be, oh my God, I've got to go out and socialize, you know, with a whole big group of people. I mean, in, in some ways, as far as religion goes, I'm not really a religious person, but there is a church that I'm just kind of curious what, what it's about because it is a, it is a, they advertise as being a, an open church to everybody. It doesn't matter what color you are, what creed you are, what gender you are. They actually basically advertise, hey, we like people that are trans, come to our church, I think, in a sense. Okay. Um, but, as far as, but I think it's just basically that I'm kind of like in a roundabout way of isolating myself. And, and, and even though I'm a social person, but I think in some ways I'm kind of isolated and do my own thing and I'm not always inside my own head. Where it's not, I guess, not that big of a deal where I have to go to a church or I have to go to big meetings with, you know, other trans people. And so I guess it's not really a, a super pressing thing from now. I think it, draw, it goes back to being where the, the feeling of having to be independent. So I guess it's not a huge deal to me. Okay. All right. So I would like to, I, I would like to present something to you. Uh, and uh, if, if you like it, Take it and use it. If you don't like it, that's fine too. Okay. So Tony Robbins came up with this, this concept that uh, I have found works incredibly well in my life. And he, and he calls it the six human needs. And uh, the, the first one is obviously love and connection, right? We all, we all want to be loved. We all want to be connected with other people. And the reason right. is, I, I believe, I believe we evolved that way. Uh, all primates are social creatures. They live in small groups of, mm -hmm. and they travel together all the time. Um, so, that, so that's one. If you are, if somebody, if it's somebody who believes that we were created, well, the very first book in the Bible where, where, where man is being created God says it's not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for the human to be alone. I need to make another human for them. You know, that's what it says. So, and that's, that's Genesis chapter two. And, and so either way that you look at it, uh, we, we, are, uh, we, we are social creatures. We are designed for love and connection. Be social, exactly. Right. Okay. So, so that's number one. Number two, we need, we need certainty. So we, we need a certain amount of knowing that if we do X, Y is going to happen, right? Um, right. And then we, we also need uh, a certain amount of uncertainty. We need, we need surprise in our life. We need stuff that makes us go, wait, what? Right? 2020 is, <laughs> is going to have done a prime job of yeah. it. You've done a really good job of that. For everybody, yes. All right. So, so that, that's, that's the first three. Uh, the, the next one is, um, I'm forgetting it. This is bad. Certainty, uncertainty, love and connection. Oh, significance. We, we all need to feel significant. And I, I think, I, I think you get that from your skating. Um, and you also get it from your music production. Uh, you also get it from being able to build your, your vans the way you want them to be. 
Totally. <laughs> so, uh, so, so you, you get that dose of significance, uh, you get that dose of certainty and uncertainty. We desperately need that uh, love and connection. We, we, need, we need more of that in your life, I think. The fifth one is growth. We all need to feel like we're growing and becoming more than we were yesterday. That's, That's uh, true. Uh, in, in order to have a thriving life, we absolutely have to have that. And then we need, the sixth one is contribution. And so we need to be contributing to the well-being and flourishing of others. Oh. And I, I think that the first one, love and connection and contribution, the easiest way to get those is within community. Uh, you, and you get all six within community if, if, you're, if you're doing it correctly. But, That's very true. <laughs> um, but and so I I encourage because because it is uh, in my mind it is a need we evolved with it's in our biology and we cannot get away from it. Or if you're a creationist, we were created to need each other. So, <laughs> so one way or the other, we we all need community. I want to strongly encourage you in love to seek out community that's a good that's a very good i never really thought about it like that but that's 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 a really good idea i think it'd be because through that especially if you like maybe one of the trans groups or you also get support and other people you can talk to that that are in the same boat as you are yes doesn't mean that you have to be doesn't mean you have to only be in that community Right. I mean, physically, it's obviously better to be in a community, but out to a point, like in some forums are kind of handy. It's like <clears throat> where you're sharing information back and forth and, you know, communicating with each other, <clears throat> that type of thing. Um, obviously, an actual physical social, social <laughs> community is what's, is what's ideal. That does make sense. I found very early on artists, uh, and this is one thing, and I just got lucky. Okay, I did. I just got lucky. I stumbled on this. Artists, we, we tend to spend an enormous amount of time in our own heads. Oh my God, yeah. Yes, we, we, we think and replay scenarios and, um, and me, 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 me. That's our meditation all day long, it seems like, right? And at 21... Uh, I got involved in community and I, I realized, holy cow, when I'm serving these other people that cannot serve me back, I get out of my own head. And it's yeah, that's... an incredible relief. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was, uh, that was addicting. As far as community goes, I think with the, uh, the, the, the figure skating, like Monday nights when I was going Monday nights and helping out and doing things because, you know, since COVID thing, I can't so much now, but that's, I think that's where the community that I was getting was that. So, okay. but yeah, but that may, but that makes sense. So it makes complete, complete sense because what it does is it, it literally pulls you out of your own head. And also when it pulls you out of your own head, you're able to step back a little bit. You can look and say, "Whoa, you know what? <clears throat> it's not quite so bad." So, would you be willing to commit to me that you're you're going to try to 
find a community that you can get involved in. Absolutely. I think it's a good idea. I really, I do think it's a good idea. Thank you. I think it's, uh, it's, that's a suggestion that, that not even my um, therapist hasn't even, that she hasn't even thought that. I'm actually going to mention that to her when I see her tomorrow. Is that you brought that up? I think, I think that, you know, think I'm completely open to it because maybe that would help get me out of my own head more. When you get into community, you want to get into community of something that a community of people that of similar interest. You don't want to go but like, <clears throat> gee, I think I'm going to do is I'm going to go to uh, a highly Christian church and I'm going to start going and, and connect with God that way. <laughs> and like, no, that's not going to work. I mean, you know, I mean, nothing. <clears throat> not, you know, my religious beliefs, I do believe that. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I mean. But in other words, I'm just saying that you want to be in a, you want to be, you want to find community that, you know, like me, you know, even if I, you know, met with a bunch of people that, that are like into the whole music scene, I guess community, I guess it doesn't really even have to be like, you don't have to have like dozens of people. It could be like a, a small group, right? you know, thinking about it, mm-hmm. I, you know, so, but I'm absolutely open to the idea. I think, I think it'd be, I think it'd be a really good idea and a good idea to do that. Wonderful. I think it'd actually be in a, in a way I think it'd be therapeutic. Um, and it could possibly help my situation quite a bit. Okay. So, like I said, getting back in, uh, when I'm able to go back to the rink every week and, you know, like on, you know, I haven't been able to escape because I've got a, I've got a bum ankle right now, but going back on Monday nights again, when this whole, when 2020 clears up, whenever, um, then I can have that part of my community back again. But I think it'd be a good idea to, you know, find, you know, find another community that's, uh, you know, that's either trans related or I guess it could pretty much be anything. But, you know, it has to be a community of, of interest, obviously, that if you're not interested in the community, you're not going to be able to really participate or right. be involved. I, I, I'm not going to go seek out a, a community of, uh, of mechanical engineers. Or, right. or, or poli- you're not going to. What about politicians? Come on. We won't go there. No, no, um, I, I, I don't get along with sociopaths very well at all. So, <laughs> um, all right. So I, I, I actually know a trans woman who goes to a uh, and has belonged to for years a a highly uh, right wing evangelical church, and fine. she's comfortable. Um, and she stretches the daylights out of the, out of the pastors and the leadership. Um, right. Uh, but, um, but she, she is comfortable there. And so I, I just leave her yeah, alone. I'm like, I'm like, do, do, you know, do you, I, I don't, it's not my job to tell you how to live. <laughs> right. So, uh, so, uh, all right. So here's my, here's my second thing. So I, I already, I, I already asked you to stretch a little bit and find community. Um, would you be willing to tell me how old you are, knowing that thousands of people are going to hear this? <laughs> um, uh, let me think here now. Um, <laughs> as of uh, 28th of this, well, a couple of days ago, I turned 58. 58. Actually, 58. A lot of people don't think I am 58. The thing is, I wish that physically I was my psychological age, because then I'd be like in my 20s again. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I've, I've just always, always been that way. I've always, I've never felt what 
my age is supposed to feel like. And I, which I think is a really good thing because I'd be like, you know, I don't want, I don't want to grow old and be one of those people that, oh, I got to go sweep dirt out of the gutter because I'm super bored out of my ass. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm 58. Okay. All right. And you started the transition at 56, 55? No, no, no. Like, okay. uh, 52 oh, ish. Okay. So, uh, the age that I am now. So you went at least you were, you were, uh, six when you figured this out, when you started to figure this out until about 52. So you went 40 some years yeah, where you were strong enough to live that, uh, in, in this, um, dysphoric, uh, existence. What was it like being strong enough to live that way? I think it was like, I think the, the strength that came from that was because I, I had to be, I had to be a stronger person in general because I was, you know, I went, like I said, my Tourette's, I got teased relentlessly because of my Tourette's. Mm-hmm. So the gender situation was kind of like <clears throat> a secondary thing. It wasn't, you know, it was more of, you know, trying to survive, you know, my Tourette's, my anxiety. And, but I mean, but a lot of it, you know, a lot of it thinking about now, a lot of my anxiety, I think, stemmed from my gender situation. Mm-hmm. Even though I wasn't always super conscious of like, you know, like I said, I just did my thing and lived my life and, you know, had my girly friends and my girly life without, you know, without having to. But I think that just finding that, you know, having to have that strength just from other things, I think, kind of helped me have the strength to live and just be who I was anyway. Okay. Because I was, I was never a conformer. I was never like, oh, my God, I've got to have an Apple iPhone because everybody else does. Or I do have an Apple iPhone. The only, the only reason why I've got an Apple iPhone is, for one, GarageBand's on there, and there's, there's an actual thing I can do on GarageBand that I need for the song that I'm working on, uh, Hanging Over You. Right. That, so, there's so, actually a pitch bend thing. It's like, the synth part's perfect. I can pitch bend it. I have to keep this iPhone now. <laughs> and also, also I can connect my iPhone to the, to the, um, to a TV, which I couldn't do with my other phone. So, there's but, but as far as the whole, like, I never had to have, like, certain name brand clothes because everybody else did. I was the odd duck, and I didn't care. I was, I was happy to be that. My kids were the same way. I was so proud of them because they're always like, they, they were their own, they were their own person. Can, can you tell me a, of a very, <laughs> tell me a specific time when you felt that way that you felt like, yeah, I'm different, and it feels really good <laughs> and strong. A lot of it in high school. Like, I mean, just in I mean. There's so many, there's so many times that I, there's so many times I to pin one down, but, um, I think in a way when I actually decided to transition more physically and just more be myself, it's like, you know what, I'm doing my thing. This is who I am. That's all I was doing. I don't give a shit what people think, because you can't, you cannot, another thing is an important thing to know is never, ever, ever rely on, um, oh, God, what is it? Uh, I saw this the other day. I actually put it on my Facebook post. It was like, never rely on 
never rely on other people for like uh, self-confidence or whatever. In other words, you have to be you have to be confident and and within yourself. You know, because other people other people can support you, but other people can't. You know, make you what you are. And be like, oh well, I'm I'm confident and I'm this that, and other because other people help me help me be that way. In other words, you always have to be. You always have to be. A, you always have to have yourself. So but, can you can you tell me a specific time when you felt like you know, that? As far as being different goes. Well, no, no. A, a, a certain. Tell me. Tell me a, a specific time. When you uh, you accomplished something, and you uh, or, or you made a decision for yourself, it, it could be something as simple as that, where you felt uh, really strong and you were confident in yourself and your decision. Two different times. One time was I know you only asked for one, but I'm going to sort of give you two. One time was when I decided to to officially become a competitive figure skater and my actual the first my first competition was like the best moment of my life in, in a way it was but it's just like as far as self within myself goes it, it just is like i was like i put in a year's work to do this that and the other put my program together cut my own music did my own choreography learned all the learned the elements and I had two programs, and even though I wasn't comp competing against anybody at the time, I won. And I not just that I won, but I did it. And did it was it. just like, that was like huge, huge. My first, I'd say my first competition was, was, was that. I, was, okay. I would say that, beyond a doubt. I think. Okay. So would you be willing to do me a favor? Sure. All right. Go, uh, again. Uh, go ahead and close your eyes. Okay. And put yourself back in that moment when you won. And there, there, <laughs> that, that smile is gigantic. <laughs> okay. What, is, what does that feel like? It's like an, an incredible feeling. It's just so, so, um, I would say it's like just very self-gratifying, so a huge sense of self-worth, accomplishment, all those feelings, all those positive feelings that you can have are just all bundled up into one thing. You know, it, it's just, you know, as far as that goes, figure skating has been a huge thing for me to build self-confidence, self-discipline, and just all these things that, 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 are really, that are really needed. And then to do that competition and see, so to speak, the, the result of the work that I put in. It's just exhilarating. It's like it's almost like euphoric. And the funny thing is, other people, <laughs> it doesn't matter how good or bad you did that comp, everybody is so supportive of each other. That's speaking of community, that's like every every year at a comp, you have that huge sense of community and everybody is just so supportive of you. Like I said, no matter how good how good or bad you did. I mean like two hours after I did my did my uh my free skate, some random kid came up to me. It's like 14, 15 years. Wow. I really liked your programs. Like, you know, so, but, but, that, but definitely the, but definitely my first, that was, that was definitely it right there. Absolutely. So we're good. We will actually pin that down. Okay. Yes. Okay. So here, here's what I would like to do. Wait. Okay. <laughs> I, I would like to give you a way to access that incredible gratifying self-worth, self-confidence feeling mm -hmm. any, any time you want. 
Okay. Are you up for that? Yep. Excellent. All right. So uh, here's what you here's what we're gonna do. Pick pick a hand, left or right. Just just pick your your right hand. Okay. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna have you use your thumb and push on the the middle the middle part of your of the outside of your index finger. Okay. Okay. Now I want you to do it in a. I, I'm, we're we're doing that because it's weird. You you, you rarely mm -hmm. ever do that, right? Okay. And so I I want I want you to think of a phrase that you usually say when you're feeling really good or powerful. Something that makes you feel powerful or really good. The shorter, the better. I technically don't don't have one, but I can try okay. to make one. Uh, okay. Let me think. Um, confident. Okay. All right. Confident. So what we're going to do is you're going to close your eyes. All right. Re release that hand. Don't, don't do it yet. You're going to close your eyes and put yourself back where you were feeling that incredible self-gratifying, self-worth, self-confidence feeling of, of your winning your first competition. I have to, I have to, I have to get the, uh, I have to close my eyes and get the harpy sound. Right. And, so, and you know what I mean, like in the shows when they, the harpy mm -hmm. sound and bring you back. Okay, right. go ahead. And so, and at, when you're feeling that incredible feeling, when it's at its strongest, you're, you're going you're gonna to press on your finger like we, like we practiced, and you're going to say confident. Say it strong. Okay. Confident. That was pretty fast. Can you, can you do it again? Because right. I didn't see the smile, right? So you, you, you want to be feeling, you want to be feeling it inside where you were feeling that that feeling in your body not Being just gut. yes right. okay yeah. confident good release your finger do it do it again put yourself back there yeah you okay actually i'm gonna go to the next i'm, I'm gonna fast forward to the next to the next year to, to my next comment i think the same thing Confident. Good. All right. So go ahead and do me a favor. Open your eyes. Okay. All right. So um, if if uh, if Willy Wonka had Oompa Loompas, uh, what is what does Eminem Mars have? I have a I have a friend that is like scared to death of him. <laughs> Still does not like Oompa Loompas as an adult. They're just little okay. people, man. <laughs> I know. I, I have right. no idea. Oompa. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, go ahead. Yeah, if Willy Wonka has Oompa Loompas, what does Eminem Mars have? Uh, candy bars. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Oh, so, the little Eminem people there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Eminem guys. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and try it. Uh, go ahead. Um, close your eyes. Don't put yourself back yet. Uh, just, just close your eyes. Close your eyes. Press your finger and say confident. Don't put yourself confident. back there. Yeah. Confident. How does it feel? Good, except for I'm thinking about the Eminem guy. <laughs> That's all right. All right. So the, the, the point is, um, we, we did this exercise so that you have access yeah, to, to this powerful sense. feeling yeah. anytime you want. And, and yeah. when, when is... Uh, when are some good times to uh, decide to access this feeling? I would say like 
when I'm alone at home or something, I guess, or you mean if I'm not doing a certain thing or if I'm doing something, you mean like if I'm doing something that makes me feel confident or what do you mean? Uh, well, that, that's a time to, to re-trigger it. So you stack those, exper those confident okay. experiences over and over again on the same pressure point. Um, but what, uh, what I'm thinking about is um, when you're starting to slip into depression. Yep. Okay. That's um, what I was just going to say. Yeah. Yeah. When, okay. in, you know, in AA, in AA, they teach people when you're starting to be tempted to drink, mm -hmm. instead of drinking, pick up the phone and call. Right. Right. And, and what happens is that that happens uh, two or three times, four or five times. And instead of drinking, they get love and they, they get love and acceptance by picking up the phone. And so, from somebody who has been there and knows right. what they're going through. And before they know it, they, they think I need a drink. And instantly they think I need to call somebody. It's conditioning. It starts right. to, right. It's just, it's just humans <laughs> are conditioning machines, right? That's a good, I, I like that. I like that too. Like, I think that, you know, that, that can apply pretty much to anything too. As far, you know, when you're feeling depressed about something and you do that and you put yourself back into that spot. But yeah, that, that makes complete sense. It's, it's, it's a grounding method. Mm -hmm. It's a very good, I think it's a good grounding method to ground yourself and be like, you know what? The other thing that, speaking of that goes, they say another thing that's a good thing to do, that's a good grounding method as well, is when you're having anxiety and you're stressed right out, try and stop of think of something you can smell, think of something you can feel, think of something you can taste. Um, there's other ones too. Think of something you can see, think of something you can hear. And, and, and I guess those are also, those are ways that, can help ground your anxiety. Sometimes it's very, very difficult to feel like what, if my anxiety is really bad, it's sometimes it's extremely difficult to, to pull out of that. You know, it, it just has to naturally pass by distraction, some other distraction. But yeah, that's, but that, that's a good, I like that. I like that idea. I really do. I, okay. All right. Well, uh, is there, is there anything that you have to say to somebody who has always felt this way, the way you did, and hasn't really done anything about it? This is maybe the first time they're thinking of doing anything about it. Do you have anything, um, anything to say to those folks? My, my thing would be is to be who you are, be how you truly feel on the inside, um, try and, when you're thinking about who you are, when you're thinking about your, your self-identity, as far as your gender identity goes, think about it. When you're thinking about it, think about it in a neutral state of mind and then think to yourself, okay, this is my situation. This is who I am. I feel good about it. I feel good about, I'm proud of the fact that I am who I am. And if you haven't done any, if they haven't done any transitioning or anything like that, you know, <clears throat> Don't be afraid to call somebody as far as like a medical professional or a mental health professional, even though it's not mental, it's not, it's still mental health, even though it's like not a mental condition, so to speak. But do that if there's, there's, I don't have the number, unfortunately, but. Quick editor's note. The number is 877-565-8860. 
if you're feeling really, really depressed about the gender thing, your, your gender identity, and you just can't take things, call that suicide hotline. Not just suicide hotline, but there's a trans suicide hotline as well, which unfortunately I don't. I don't. I'll put like, I'll put it in the show in notes. Front of me, but I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> okay. Um. But yeah. That. But. But just pursue being who you are and know that people are more accepting. It's extremely scary. It is extremely scary. But be just be be who you are. Be proud of who you are, and and never stop being who you are. And in spite of other people might try and bring you down, say, "Oh, that's just a phase. Oh, it's just whatever." You know, don't don't listen to what other people say. If they have negative, do not hold any value. Absolutely, do not hold any value in negative feedback from, from anyone, even if it's immediate family. If you are the way you you are and you feel the way you do, get you know get help. But also, there's there's communities out there. There are support groups out there. Glad, I guess, is an organization. P Flag is another one, as far as the main goes. There's Facebook pages. There's there's lots of resources. And don't think that you're not. Oh my God, I'm never being able to get, get this done and that done. Depending on what your insurance is, or you know, even if medically, even if you medically can't do anything. Now, work on the psychological part of who you are. Build up confidence of, of who you are. Look at yourself in the mirror when you dress the way you want to dress. Even if you're not ready to come out, look and say, this is who I am. Look at an old picture of yourself and that was your you know, prior existence of who you aren't and say, you look in the mirror and say, this is who I am and I'm proud of it. The picture that you're looking at of who you were is not who you are. And, um, but I was, that be my suggestion is to do that. Get help if you need it. If you, if you have major depression issues wrapped around it, which, which is very, very common. You're not alone, but don't be afraid to call somebody. Don't be afraid to, if you have a friend, if you have a friend that you feel like you can buy, confide in, talk to them, tell them what you're feeling, get some kind of support from somebody. It might be based baby steps. You're not going to go and be like, oh, I'm just going to go to the doctors and I'm going to come out a full woman tomorrow or man or whatever it is. It's a process and you have to, you have to be, it's, you have to be dedicated to that process. Dedicated, mostly, mostly you have to be dedicated to yourself, but just know that there's not the options. There are positive options out there. It's not all negative. You know, it might feel all negative because negativity and anxiety can, can be extremely overwhelming. Um, but yeah, now that I rambled on about that, I I would, uh, before we end here, I would just add, there are people who are willing and happy to love and accept you exactly as you are exactly, and not try to change you. They will, they will love and accept you exactly as, as you are. And those are the people you need to seek out. Exactly, and, and it doesn't need to necessarily be family or friends. It can be people that, right. you, that you barely know. But just having that acceptance and that support from people, no matter who it is, what relation it is, is extremely important. It's very important. Family, of course, is going to be, you know, obviously, uh, obviously a big plus with our supportive. Um, the other thing is, too, really quick, is that, you know, if people... 
if people don't understand your situation, you can actually try and help educate them. However, you can only educate people that that are willing to be educated. Right. So. Okay. Well, Maria, thank you. Uh, you have been incredibly you. brave and generous. Uh, and uh, when it comes to talk, I'm really generous. So sorry. <laughs> All right. But yeah, I, I just want to say thank you, and um, hopefully we can have you back. That would be awesome. All right. Thank you. And now you've met Maria Romanova, and you know her secret. I hope you found this episode enlightening. I hope you found a deep compassion for Maria and others in her situation through no fault of their own. And I hope, uh, and I hope the next time you come into contact with someone in Maria's type of situation, you're able to approach it with a little more love, a little more grace and a little more understanding and hopefully a little less fear. If you're anything like me, uh, the human experience is, uh, it is incredibly difficult and, um, I can't imagine having to live my life the way Maria has had to live hers and has, and still has to live hers. It's, uh, I, I don't know that I would have the strength to endure it. And I am deeply impressed that she does. At any rate, there you go. Maria Romanova's story. If you are in need of help, the way Maria described it, uh, the way she talked about, uh, th there are the two hotlines. The phone numbers are in the show notes. Please take advantage of it. Um, and talk to somebody who's qualified to help you. That's the big thing. I, I, I'd like you to, I, I just, I just encourage you to call the numbers because those folks who answer those phones are more qualified to help you than the average person on the street or your average friend. There we go. Okay. This is the point where I'm supposed to uh, plug the, do all the plugs for the show again. And I just don't think it's appropriate. So we'll see you next time.